Rochambeau, the podcast about unique competitions, extraordinary events, and other amazing adventures. I'm Kim. And I'm Ted. Welcome back, everybody. We are happy to have you guys here, and we have something fun for you today. We do. You know what I like, Kim? Hmm. I like fun. I thought you might. Yeah, so this is perfect for me right now. All right. This is what I need. Well, buckle up, Buttercup. Okay. <laughs> it's the World Series of Birding. Click, click, I buckled. So I can't name all of those bird calls, uh-huh. but serious birders, I'm sure could. Right. And by the way, that's a word. A birder. A birder. Is a person who likes to go birding. And what is birding? The sport, art, hobby of going out and trying to identify different species of birds. Uh-huh. And some people do it competitively. Okay. And we have a guest that's going to talk about the World Series of Birding, which is super competitive and also super fun. Mm-hmm. His name is Bill Lynch. And we met on a podcasting forum site. Okay. Where people were just kind of exchanging ideas. On the and, Facebook. Yeah. And I put out what our podcast is about And he was like, hey, my podcast is nothing about that, but guess what I do on the side? Uh And he's a birder. That's awesome. I love hearing these kind of stories from people. Me too. And Bill Lynch's podcast is called Trial by Pilot. He does it with his wife and his brother, and they judge television shows completely based on their pilots. Oh, that's cool. Right? Yeah. I bet like you get like the totally wrong impression and like, this show's never going to be anything. And then like, it's The Sopranos. It's everything, right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think it goes the other way, too. Um, when we were talking, I asked him what some of his favorites were. And he said they recently had just watched the Cheers pilot mm-hmm. again. And boy, oh boy, did that hold up. He was like, it was an amazing pilot. Oh, cool. So I immediately thought of the best pilot that I think I've ever seen, mm-hmm. which for me was Lost. Uh-huh. Like that pilot was just a beautiful little movie. Uh-huh. What about you? Can you think of a TV show that you really, really loved that first episode of? Probably Deadwood. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a good that pilot. That was good, yeah. All right. All right, Bill Lynch and Trial by Pilot People. A couple of new suggestions for you, but yep. back to birding. Birding. The World Series of Birding takes place in my home state where I spent my childhood, New Jersey. Okay. And Bill Lynch is going to tell us all about it. All right, Bill, let's hear about the birds. I'm Bill Lynch, and I'm a competitor in the World Series of Birding. All right, well, let's talk about it. All right. In your words, what is the World Series of Birding? So, put simply, the World Series of Birding is a 24-hour marathon of birding. Uh, competitors are seeking to identify the most birds, and that can be through sight or by sound, in a 24-hour period from midnight to midnight on a specified day in May every spring. And how did you get involved with this? Uh, well... I started birding pretty heavily after undergraduate school, and I met a gentleman by the name of David LaPuma, and he was going to grad school at Rutgers in the ecology program, and he led the first bird walk I ever went on, and that was, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago now, 
Um, and I ended up enrolling in the graduate school there. I was in David's um, lab uh, studying ornithology. And David went on to become the executive director of the Cape May Bird Observatory, um, who uh, is one of the driving forces behind the World Series. Oh, that's awesome. So take me back to that first bird walk that he invited you along. What did you love about it that got you hooked? You know, <laughs> I was starting to get into it and I was starting to spend more time outdoors and just noticing how many different species there really were. I'm in central New Jersey, and if you really put in the time, you can see more than 300 species in a year. I think there's over 400 that have been recorded here. So, I mean, just not a number of people would come up with if you ask them how many birds are in New Jersey. <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh, I I got an old field guide, and I flipped it open, and I said, you know, that, that bird looks really cool. It was a belted kingfisher. And one of my first times out, this this bird that is kind of solitary, it's not, it's not uncommon, but you kind of have to be, you kind of have to know what it looks like and how it acts. And sure enough, I saw one on my first time out and I thought, this is this is incredible. There's so many birds around. And so I went on this bird walk and David just had this wealth of knowledge about, you know, the 12 different types of sparrows that we saw just like wow. flitting through the grass. You know, you see these little brown birds, a, di a dime a dozen, I used to think. They're all different. They all have their own unique behaviors and mating rituals and songs and call notes. It's, it's really incredible. That sounds incredible. Yeah. I don't know birds very well at all. So <laughs> like you had just said, I would have thought they were all the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So now that you are so familiar with so many different species, do you have a favorite? So that little anecdote I just told about the belted kingfisher, they have always yeah. kind of held a, a spot in my heart. Um, <laughs> They're not the most colorful bird. It's just, it's this bird that hangs out near open water and it's got this oversized head and bill, almost like freakishly large compared to the body. And they hover over water and they just sit there and wait. And then they splash down. And if they're lucky, they come back up with a fish. Do they do the dive bomb? Oh yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Do you find yourself more partial to seabirds than birds that you would find in the forest? Not necessarily. Different times of year, you can find more, I don't know if I should say this, more interesting birds in, in certain types of habitats. So, so a lot of seabirds will start to migrate in August. The wood warblers, the really colorful little ones are more like late September, October birds. And then like the big raptors, eagles, hawks, falcons are typically later in the fall. Well, what is the first time that you birded competitively? Was it the same friend who got you into it? Yeah, so it was a group of four of us from the Rutgers Graduate School of Ecology. I think the year was 2010. This is going back away, so I, I might be wrong. Um, <laughs> and we did, so there's a bunch of different categories of the competition, and the most popular one is the full state. So the entire state of New Jersey, from midnight to midnight, you can travel to any habitat you'd like, as long as it's within those confines. And so we did that for a couple years, I think three years straight, we did the entire state of New Jersey. You must have loved it if you immediately went the next year and then the year after. <sighs> it's, it's incredible. There are some stretches in the middle of the day that you are completely exhausted and you cannot get enough cups of Wawa coffee. Um, <laughs> but there's just this rush. It's really exciting to you know, try to see and hear all these different birds and realize, you know, I'm, I'm in New Jersey, you know, we have get a bad rap in certain places in the country, but there is an incredible diversity of habitat here and some really, really cool birds. I was reading through the rules of competition just a little bit and found it very admirable that the entire sport seems to be based on an honor system. Yes, it would be, 
it would be easy to lie once. Um, once you start to do that more and more, people will catch on. Right. If, if you happen to be seeing these really rare birds in habitats that they're not usually found and no one else, no other teams are seeing or hearing them, people are going to catch on pretty quick. Thankfully, that's rarely been a problem. But w- once in a while, you hear rumors of people, uh, we, we call it stringing along, turning a common bird into something a little less common. And do you find that you're able to check them off more so by sound or sight? Surprisingly, it's actually sound. So, you know, we start at midnight. So obviously you're just listening at that point. You're listening for owls, a few other night birds. Once in a while, you'll get a goose or a duck quacking late at night. And then it's usually in mid-May where a lot of the trees have leafed out already. And you're trying to do these things quickly. So (laughs) if you're doing a full state run, you only have a certain amount of time in each spot as you're driving like 300 miles throughout the state. So you pull up to a spot and you listen, you hear the bird, and then you hit the gas again and you're on your way. <laughs> yeah, so if, if we had to see everything, you would be waiting, waiting for the bird to pop out behind some leaves. And actually a lot of birds look really, really similar, like those sparrows we were talking about. Right. Um, so a lot of the times the song or the call note is a more accurate way of identifying different species. Ever within your team, do you guys disagree on what you're hearing? Um, yeah, it happens. Um, and usually we'll just sit there and listen for the bird to call again. And I think every team probably has one or two people that everyone knows. All right. This is the guy that knows the most about this kind of bird, this, this kind of duck, this kind of sparrow. So if he's saying that's what it is, let's listen closely and see if we can confirm it. That makes sense to me. (laughs) Do you find that people are highly competitive? Is there anything that you would keep like information wise a little closer to your chest? Well, actually, they just did a big rule change a couple of years ago, and you were not allowed to share information at all with other teams. Oh, interesting. Yeah. No, no tweeting, no social media. You couldn't text your buddies on the other team. And then a couple of years ago, they changed that rule. And now it is completely encouraged to you know, post on the CMBO, Cape May Bird Observatory Twitter account with hashtags and text everybody. Actually, um, I think they created a text listserv just for this event because, you know, you find a a really rare bird sometimes in spring, like a bird that shouldn't even be on this side of the Mississippi will show up in Cape May after like some winds blew it over here or a storm. And so you don't want to keep that to yourself. That's part of the joy of the event is to have everyone be able to see this really, really cool bird that you won't be able to see other times. Well, tell me about how your team did. Sure. Um, So we did the, we did the full state run for a few years and then I took a couple a couple years of a break and then I went back and we started doing the category called the carbon footprint cup so that's no motorized vehicles whatsoever so that's obviously not the oh, full wow. state yeah it's pretty obviously <laughs> pretty pretty incredible so we would just do Cape May uh, which is the you know the southern tip of New Jersey the peninsula and we would just do it on bikes bikes and by foot neat yeah and so the last time we did that we actually won that category Oh, wow. And how many did you spot to win? Uh, It was 179, I think. What? Yeah. And the winners of the full state will often see 220 species in a day. Holy moly. That's amazing. (laughs) I had no idea. I spent my childhood in New Jersey. We moved when I was 13, maybe somewhere close to where you are, because you mentioned you're in central Jersey. I grew up in a town called Boundbrook. Oh, I know it well. It's about 20 20 minutes down the road. (laughs) There you go. Um, And I don't remember my childhood that I grew up in a very nature rich or or bird centric area. This has blown my mind. Yeah. I mean, you know, that stretch from New York and Philadelphia, you have to put in the effort because there's a lot of concrete. Right. But but (laughs) there are these little gems, these little patches of green that as birds are flying over, they see and they say, all right, I'm I'm tired. I'm going to go settle down here for the day. Um, (laughs) You you can find them. You can find them just about anywhere. The year that you won, we're big 
big fans of trophies here at Rochambeau. Can you tell me a little bit about your accolades? Um, yeah, it was. Uh, there was a trophy involved. Uh, you don't get to keep it. You bring it back and you hand it off uh-huh. next year. It was like a, a see-through kind of faux crystal thing. And it had a big footprint on it for the Carbon Footprint Cup. The winners of the statewide competition get like big hefty trophies with like name plates on it, like uh, the Stanley Cup almost. Wow. Um, yeah. And they, they bring it to a bar in Cape May afterwards and you fill it up with beer. It's, it's pretty fun. <laughs> well, can you tell me a little bit about the community? I know this started with a friend and, and that you obviously have a team that you prefer to work with. But in general, is it a tight community? Would you want to visit with some of these people outside of birding? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and I do. I mean, I, I went to school with a lot of these people and I now drink beer and play board games with them and, you know, uh, do other nature related things. Yeah, it's it's tight knit, but it's inviting. What I really love is when I'm out teaching somebody new that's just seeing a, a common bird for the first time with new eyes and, and asking questions about it and seeing them get excited. That That's the, the really cool part of it. That's neat. Yeah. So if you wanted to encourage listeners to give it a try, where would you send them to learn more? I would search for the nearest hiking trail. You know, any time of year you can find birds and other interesting wildlife. If you're looking for birds specifically, spring and fall during migration is probably best. But find a cheap pair of binoculars. You don't need $2,000 optics. You know, find what you can afford. See if it's something that interests you. Go out. Have have a nice day on the trail. See if you see any birds. If you get into it, pick up a cheap field guide. I mean, you can get pamphlets that show you the most common birds of your area for a couple dollars. Or you can go on to a site called eBird. There's another great site called the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. They have some great resources there. See what you can see. And then if you decide that you want to upgrade your binoculars or some other equipment, then you can invest after that. That's killer. So I'm going to pick your brain. We have a pair of cardinals, red cardinals, that I think think live in our backyard because we see them all the time but often I start wondering I mean is it the same pair of cardinals how would I know Uh, the same pair coming back year after year yeah or just day after day like would multiple sets of cardinals hang out in the same area that they could be doing a switcheroo on me and I wouldn't even know are are you seeing one male and one female so one bright red Yep. yep Yep. If you're seeing one male and one female day after day in your yard, it's most likely the same birds. That's so cool. Yeah. And so here's a quick story. I have a small um, patio with a bird feeder. And so every winter I'll put out seeds and a little tiny bird called a, a dark eyed junco will come visit the feeder. And a couple of years ago, one was partially leucistic. So it had like a pigmentation issue. And so it had a very, very distinct wing pattern. Like it's usually this, yeah. this slate gray bird. This one had like some white splotches. And so for three winters in a row, this same junco flew to New Jersey during the winter and found my little tiny patio in suburban New Jersey. I mean, it's just unmistakable, the little wing pattern. So these birds can definitely find. It it, it blew my mind the second year when it came back. And then for a third year, it came back again. (laughs) And where do you think his migration path takes him? So he's breeding probably somewhere in Canada, you know, maybe, maybe the North, Northeastern United States, but then he's, he's coming down when it gets a little bit too cold there and he is comfortable in New Jersey, I guess. And he's hanging out at your place. That is too cool. (laughs) Too cool. Yeah. So. If those two cardinals show up again next year, it it might be the same two cardinals. Well, how do I know for my climate whether or not they would be here all year? Does that ever happen if I'm in the south? Uh, Some birds will spend time the entire year in the same place. So the website I mentioned before, eBird, you can type in any species, including northern cardinal. You can look up species accounts for your area. 
and they have an incredible amount of data. It's one of the largest citizen science projects ever. Like people are just constantly inputting data. So you can look up your little patch, your little neighborhood, and it will say, all right, Cardinals are seen here from this month to this month. Or you'll see bar charts that say Cardinals are here 12 months out of the year. Excellent. Thank you so much. This was a great conversation. Take care. Bye. Bye. So I went on the website that okay. he recommended uh-huh. and found out that the Northern Cardinal is known to live in my area year round. Uh-huh. So these two cardinals that we're seeing all the time, they live in our backyard. Are they the ones I've seen out the window here when yes, we're recording? exactly. We're going to call them Fred and Wilma. Okay. Now that we know that they're really living on our property, uh-huh. we feel like we are allowed to name them. Not Bob and Barbara? <laughs> <laughs> That's called a shout back. Um, Past episode, Ted told me about a Facebook page that he hosts randomly called Bob and Barbara's Baha Baba Baba Barbecue Bar and Lounge. Came up because we were talking about an event in Bar Harbor. And honestly, it brings me a lot of joy. (laughs) Yeah. So back to the birding. Yes. Back to the birding. Did you ever see the movie called A Big Year? It came out in 2011. No, I did not. It was with Steve Martin and Jack Black and Owen Wilson. Wow. And it's really, really good. And it is all about birding. Wow. So a big year in birding is trying to see as many different species as you can all over the country okay. within the same exact year. So Owen Wilson's character in the movie was the person who had set the world record for a big year in 1996. Across the country, he saw 748 different species of birds. Wow. I know. It's and this is based on a true story? Mind-blowing. Yeah. yeah. So Owen Wilson's character was actually based on Sandy Comito. He won the big year with a world record in 1996 of seeing 748 different species of birds. Wow. Right? He held that record Uh for 15 years. Amazing. And then someone saw one more than he did. Really? And they got to be the new record holder. (laughs) And then the very next year, two other people saw one more than that guy uh-huh so 750 uh-huh. is where things are holding okay. right now the guy who saw 749 and was holding the record for a real short period of time unfortunately his name is neil hayward and within one year in order to see 749 different species of birds he flew across the country over 193,000 miles what? He drove 52,000 miles. He spent 147 hours at sea. (laughs) (laughs) And all in all, he ended up spending over half a year away from home, 195 nights away from home. I was going to say, that's like a full-time job. Yeah. He crossed 28 different states. It is a big, big deal. And I... Highly recommend that movie, The Big Year. Um, It's very entertaining and does give you a really nice little glimpse into this world of competitive birding. Even this little talk with Bill has like piqued my interest in it, you know, because I never even, I I mean, I knew about bird watching, but never quite thought about it that yeah much. totally yeah. i i actually said the same to bill i was just so grateful that he reached out because this is not one that was anywhere close to being on our radar right right do you know 
if the World Series, this sounds like it was Jersey specific. It was. Yep, it uh, is. Are there other other states, other regions, other regional there are. things? Okay. There are. New Jersey is just very rich in birding okay. and birding history. Uh-huh. He was telling me that um, there's different chapters of Audubon societies across the country. Right. But New Jersey actually has its very own. It's not a chapter of the national one. It is there. So this uh-huh. is something that is very, very popular in wow, New Jersey. That's amazing. I know. Yeah. All right, Jersey. So there you go. The World Series of Birding. Thanks, Kim. Kim. Yes. Let's go to the calendar. Do you want to kick it off? Yes, please. Okay. You said you had a good one. I do. On the 20th, this Saturday, is the World Snail Racing Championships. Slow your home. (laughs) You know, they say um, at this event when they're like, you know, instead of ready, set, go, they Uh go ready, set, slow. I love it. It's been going on for 25 years. It's only a 13-inch little bitty course, uh-huh. but it takes place in Kingsland, England. Ooh, I think I've heard about this one. Yeah? Yeah. There's um, there's a story about a snail was hanging out on the side of the road, and um, they're racing their cars. So he painted an S on his car. So when he drove by, people could say, look at that S car go. I feel like you worked really hard for that. I should appreciate it you more. You should, but you don't. Slow clap. Somebody out there might. Slow clap. Easy, for ready, Ted. set, slow clap. <laughs> oh my gosh. So if you are in <laughs> Kingsland, England, please check out the snail racing. It's a really good day. They do tons of heats, and then it ends with a grand championship round. Over 190 snails battle. Oof. For the title, and then there's 11 in the final, and last year, the winning snail's name was Hasta, and it completed the 13-inch course in 3 minutes and 10 seconds. That's booking. Yeah. Yeah. It's impressive for a snail. Yeah. So this is a weird one. What you got? The Music City Jerk Festival. Okay. Yeah. Um, Jerk. Jerk Festival. Yeah. It's the one day of the year where it's okay to be a jerk. No way. Gather with the fellow jerks and enjoy a day of obnoxious behavior with with a bunch of other jerks. No way. No, it's not. I made that up. Oh, thank goodness. It's about like the seasoning. It's about the seasoning. Yeah. Yeah. It's a celebration of Jamaican (laughs) jerk sauce. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I don't think I would go like to a, like a year being a jerk (laughs) festival. That sounds like an awful day. No. I think I want to start lying about some of these. Okay. Yeah, making some up like I just did with that one. All right. I'll be prepared. Okay. I'll strap in. (laughs) (laughs) But that is in Nashville and it does sound delicious. It does. There'll be music and bands and good, good food. Yep. And hopefully no actual jerks. Yeah. Yeah. Except for you. Except for me. (laughs) (laughs) Liar. Well. If you people, nice people of the world. Non-liars. Non-liars. Have an event that we need to know about. Please make that happen. Yeah, reach out and we will add it to our calendar, which is at rochambeaupodcast.com slash events. There you'll find everything that we chat about on these calendar segments. And if you reach out to us, you might just find your event. Right. That feels good. Yes, it does. Right. Indeed. Cadillac Jones, thank you so much for letting us use your music on this podcast. We truly appreciate you guys. And thank you people for listening. If you like us, leave us a review somewhere, probably on one of those podcast places. Yep. Not just like, you know, in the bathroom stall. 
Although I would still greatly appreciate that. Would you? Oh my gosh. If I walked into a bathroom <laughs> stall and there uh, was graffiti, like Rochambeau is a great podcast. <laughs> I would lose my nuts. One, oh my God. One can dream. <laughs> Recently I was in a, a restroom and there was like political discussion back and forth on the wall. And I'm like, don't you people have Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> it is the old version is, of Facebook, it isn't is, it? It really is. I am a big fan of some bathroom graffiti. <laughs> Learn a lot about yeah. life. My favorite, favorite graffiti of all times is it said Ann Arbor is a whore. And someone crossed it out and wrote city. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Until right. next time, people. <laughs> Goodbye. What is a bird? (laughs) (laughs) Explain bird to me. Oh my gosh.